Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof. We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to 3CR, Raise the Roof with HAG um, and my name is Fiona and I'm joined in the studio again today by Leone. Hi Leone, how are you going? Hi Fiona, I'm good, how are you? I'm really good. So listeners may remember from last fortnight that we um, introduced Leone as our new co-presenter. Um, so unfortunately, just at the exact moment when I introduced you last week, Leone, someone burst into the studio unexpectedly and you were maybe yes. feeling potentially like a little stunned person. Yes, well, I'm already got my, you know, I haven't got my training wheels off yet. Yeah. So that, you know, like the disasters are happening thick and fast. It was fine. No one could tell at all, I'm sure. <laughs> so welcome back in much less um, interrupted yes, surroundings. I'm a bit nervous at that door now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough too. Um, you may also remember that last fortnight we were having a chat to Miffin Jordan from Per Capita who had done some research into um, older women and what they want to see in their um, ageing environment, I guess, um, as they get older, so co-housing. And the second part of that interview was what we want to play today. Um, we were right in the middle of it and we sort of just kind of had to cut it abruptly, which was a bit of a shame. This time we're going to have the second part of the conversation about co-housing and then we're going to get into provision of aged care. Um, and what people want to see from that. And it's actually quite timely because people may be aware that the Aged Care Royal Commission is on at the moment. Which you were just speaking of. Yes. And it's about, it's very interesting. This week um, it's around diversity and um, people who are at risk of homelessness are considered to be a diverse group. Oh, that's interesting. It is strange, isn't it? Um, And so uh, as well as LGBTI and culturally diverse and Aboriginal, we now have homelessness. Um, So that's what I was there doing in the Royal Commission this week. And we're thinking that we might like to get the audio of some of that and play it on the radio. What do you think, Leonie? I think that's a fantastic idea, especially um, the parts where you were talking uh, specifically about homelessness and maybe edit out some of the um, more impenetrable part yeah. of the commission. Yeah, it's very formal. It's yeah. actually unexpectedly formal. Um, but, yeah, I think it would be great because I did get to talk for a whole hour. I don't know if listeners would want to hear all of that, but we could certainly grab some of the more pertinent bits. Well, I, I'm, I personally want to hear some of that. Yeah, <laughs> great. So before we um, do that, so if listeners really want to hear that, let us know. If they don't really want to hear it, also let us know. <laughs> I know I was talking to a friend the other day who said that she listens to the show while she's driving through traffic because it's – you know, drive time. Um, so if you're listening to our amazing one person at least who's listening while in the traffic, I hope it's not too disruptive today <laughs> for you. So without further ado, we're going to go straight into the second part of Miffin's interview, which we um, conducted with her last fortnight, and um, I hope you enjoy it. 
there isn't anything like that in Australia as far as you know um, yet, or not on a large scale anyway. Are you hoping that the research is going to inspire some development of these types of models, particularly in Victoria? Yeah, look, I mean, there is co-housing. Well, I mean, we do have quite a, a, a good history of co-housing in Australia with a lot of um, models based on... Um, you know, being sustainable, kind of green models, intergenerational models, um, shared kind of um, values, communities. So there is a lot of co-housing and there's a great tradition of it. Um, and there is also older women's co-housing. So there's an organisation or, or a group really in, in Victoria focused in Dalesford who call themselves WINK, which is Women in Co-Housing. And they're working with uh, women's property initiatives to develop up their own co-housing community. Some of those women have equity to buy into it. So they've been, you know, they've, they've found land and some of them have... Um, you know, enough to put in to build a small unit of housing. They're also putting in some social housing properties within that. So I think that community is aiming to be about 20 units of housing with four designated as social housing rentals, which is really fantastic. Yeah, um, It's a great, great option for women because, of course, you know, women retire on average with less than half the superannuation or retirement savings for men. So, you know, they may retire, if they're lucky, say with $150,000 it would be a shame to eat all that up, yeah. you know, in the 30 years following retirement if they could buy into a kind of shared ownership model uh, like co-housing. So they are developing and, in fact, there, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of um, academic work which has been done around co-housing models and I think increasingly we're likely to see ones which um, – involve older women mm -hmm. the challenge of course is for older women that don't have any equity yes. and that don't have yeah. any assets and that was really where this research was focused you know I suppose it is looking at well you know who who might um, start to build this sort of work and what are the arguments for it and what are the, the say, barriers the barriers and there's a lot of barriers in terms that's a whole of other planning. discussion that's a whole other discussion <laughs> and and you know there's a fantastic organization called co-housing Australia you may have heard of and they advised us around this research as as did the wink group that I, I mentioned earlier and they they're doing a real lot of work around you know know those kind of planning barriers and so forth and they've got um, urban planners and architects and all kinds of people are, are devoting their time to, to developing that and kind of trying to find or build pathways out of that. Um, I think what's really important, one of the findings from the Think piece was that um, really we need far more um, resourcing of people at the local level, so grassroots community development around mm. housing. So there are co-housing groups in specific areas and there's women pursuing co-housing, you know, directly with their councils and advocating for it and having meetings and creating community and trying to build up a kind of consensus at the local level to create co-housing. So there's a huge amount going on so it's really just how we might now think about um, targeting resources at that to support that grassroots movement rather than say well here's the model you fit in around that because for every geographical location 
people and the population are going to have different needs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time. Can you believe it? Oh, um, we could talk for another <laughs> half hour. We could talk for another half an hour. Oh. But I was just going to ask you, Mifflin, mm. before we have to wrap it up, about yeah. um, where people can find out um, if they're interested in reading the report mm. or if they're interested in finding out more about co-housing and what does exist. Yeah. Um, are you able to point them in a direction? Well, certainly in terms of our report, you can find that at the per capita website, which yeah. is www.percapita.org.au. And if you just put mutual appreciation into the search engine, that should pop up there and you can download the report there. Yeah. Uh, in terms of broader, um, you know, broader information around co-housing, and I know a lot of people are interested in that, I would go to the Co-Housing Australia website. I can't think of their, their actual web address, but if you just... We'll put in co-housing yeah. Australia. I think you mentioned that you could put all yeah. the links on your your 3CR page That's website right. as well. Also, yeah. the older women's co-housing community in London is interesting to look up to. That, yeah. That's really good. Mm. And the Ouch has, you know, really good uh, videos on YouTube, as as does HomeShare. So if people are interested in those models, I would go to YouTube and have a look at them and you get a sense of, you know, you, you hear the lived experience of women participating in those as well. Yeah. And there are a lot of benefits, so really interesting. That's great. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add? Um, oh, I, nothing that's coming off the top of my head. I've probably talked so much already. No. Just really that per capita is continuing to work in this area and we're doing some, we're just pulling together a um, partnership with the Australian Centre for Social Innovation, Taxi, Ooh. who are based in South Australia. You might have heard of them, but they're also funded by the Wicking Trust and they do a lot of um, research into ageing and housing. And one thing which I, of course, forgot to mention was this specific project was funded by the Lord Mayor's Charitable oh. Foundation and they've been hugely supported and, again, are supportive to us. And, again, another um, organisation, another philanthropic group that's yeah. very interested in supporting housing outcomes for older people and particularly for older women. Yeah, and it's a pity that it has to be the philanthropists that are coming to the party and not the government around these issues, isn't it? You they, said it, Fiona. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it really is. We but, really are moving to the American model, I'm afraid. Yeah, but, you know, we have a great philanthropic community and they're showing leadership and you know that that's that's a really good they first really step are, yeah yeah well thanks so much for coming in Miff and it's been a really interesting conversation I'm sure that there'll be lots of people who want to find out more and we all often have um, requests for information and I okay. believe um, that you're having a bit of a feature on co-housing in your next newsletter yes in the, ne in the next national newsletter we have an article on co-housing which is was based around South Australia because that's the state that we're focusing on in our next newsletter which you can see when it uh, comes out in end of this month that you can see on the the HAG website. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. I'm well, thanks. Forward to it. Yeah. So thanks again. And, and any listener that's interested, um, we will um, put the web addresses that Miffin just mentioned on the 3CR program notes and also on our website, which is www.oldertenants.org.au. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian made and you can get one for just $30. They come in black, dark grey and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 9419 8377. 
or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. Okay, welcome back. You're listening to 3CR. Um, that's 3cr.org.au and it's 855 on the AM dial. And we're joined again by Miffin and Leone and we were going to um, ask a little bit more about this really interesting research that Miffin's been doing at Per Capita. So, Leone, you had a question you wanted to ask. Yeah, Miffin, um, you were talking about how your research expanded into the, I- the idea of sort of ageing in place and moving into old, much older age, yep. age care. Yep. Can you expand on that? Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know if your listeners have heard of ageing in place, but it's the sort of underpinning principle of Australia's aged care and our retirement income system. So it really um, suggests that old, most older people want to remain living in their own home or if not in their kind of traditional family home, at least in their local community, so that known neighbourhood where they are, you know, supposedly well linked into service services and relationships which can support them in older age so we wanted to talk to the women we interviewed about that and how that worked in with their notions of housing because when we'd asked the women about for their responses about um, the co-housing model we put to them particularly the ouch model the older women's co-housing group of about you know what we called the larger scale what was really interesting was that uh, you know I think it was all but two of the participants basically said things around I I would move in tomorrow so even the full owner homeowners even the women who were in public housing with secure tenure still said that they would leave their their secure housing and their known community to access this this model of housing so what was the attraction around that partly as we we touched on earlier was around um the kind of notion of care and how women and perhaps men as well, but the, the focus of this research was around women, how women understand and interpret care and support and what that means to them. So we've done this as well by helping them explore some of the, I hate to say it, but the kind of the services which you can purchase off My Age Care, so the kind of menu of services available. And we'd talked to them about that and we'd shown them that and we asked them how they... Um, would ideally experience what we what we kind of framed as the fourth age, so kind of past their active third age. You know, what would they ideally like to have in their fourth age if they could ma- wave a magic wand? And what became really clear was that they didn't understand. They looked at the menu of services from My Age Care and the response was really like, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't understand what this means. And so our, our very skilled peer researchers really dug deeper around that and, and talked to women about, well, what does care mean? And, of course, it once you think about the way that women have provided care across their life course, it's all through relationships mm-hmm. and meaningful relationships and social contact. It isn't necessarily about tasks and activities that can be broken down into kind of like a an economic unit so like 10 minutes to shower somebody you know that that is not well that's how we describe provision of aged care but really care and we see a lot coming out around this in the royal commission into aged care you know those relationships of support and conversation and mutuality are particularly important and particularly important to women I think and that um, so aged care really and how it links in with the home is really about having 
those networks of support close by. Now, traditionally, that would have been ageing in place in your known community, but as we all know, those urban communities are changing incredibly fast. Mm. And you may have lived in the family home in Heidelberg, where I live, for the past 30 years, but, you know, the, the, the kind of the face of Heidelberg, for example, is changing literally overnight and houses pulling pulled down with, like, higher-density units being put up, businesses closed down... GPs move, super clinics arrive. So Heidelberg's practically the inner suburbs now. For Heidelberg's <laughs> practically the, I tell myself that every time I'm stuck on the train. Uh, <laughs> um, so you know that that I think that aging in place needs rethinking. It's no no longer the kind of nexus of social con- connectivity and networking that it used to be. Yeah. And so what was so attractive about this thing was that people were guaranteed that they'd always have somebody near them that could not only be an aged care provider in the crudest kind of way, but a social person as well, like someone to check on them and someone to chat with them and someone yeah. to provide some sort of, well, yeah. not provide, I guess I guess the research shows that it's about mutual re- reciprocity. Yeah. What's the word? Re- re- reciprocity. reciprocity. <laughs> yes, it. it's a hard one. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Fiona. And when we asked them to wave their magic wand and describe this, you know, ideal fourth age, it was all things like catching up for coffee, mm-hmm. having a conversation, being checked on regularly, coming together for meals when I feel like it, you know, feeling that not only that 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 you could receive um, kind of care and support and friendship, but you were able to contribute something as well. So there was just, there was meaning in those social relationships and it was just, you it, know. It's, it's interesting. It's more equal too, isn't yeah, it? It's it, not that kind mm, of hierarchical care provider, yes, care no. receiver sort of That's thing right. either. Yeah. Yes. So... But, it's interesting if you think about the age group of, of the women who, in your research, yep. that most of them uh, would have experienced seeing their mother's age. Yes. And they would have, I've had this experience recently myself, the, yep. the sheer horror of the actual experience of ageing now in Australia yes. for, for even people who are reasonably well off once they go into care homes. Yes. Even the good ones can be oh, awful. And look, and, yes. And, uh, uh, you know, it's... Very attractive to to want to go into something like that where it would be a buffer from that reality. Yes, and and we and we would have these women have, would have seen that. Yes, they have, and and look, something that came out which is which is probably not su- surprising to anybody listening is that um, the concerns really fears around residential aged care were overwhelming and I think only one of the women interviewed who had been a full-time nurse all her career you know career nurse so she understood and she was happy with that she had a active social relationship with with the aged care provider linked to her independent living unit so she was okay with it but overwhelmingly people had a quite understandable fear about residential care you know some said I would sooner kill myself Mm, and you know that it's a very, you know, emotional thing and harsh thing to hear, but that that was the strength of the feeling. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, in the context of the Royal Commission and the news which has come out, that mm. that's that's really understanding. Yeah. So people don't want the residential aged care model that we got. They particularly want something which is set in the community and, and community focused and you've got those low-level reciprocal care mm-hmm. relationships without necessarily, um, you know, they don't necessarily, they're not, they're, they're informal really, so they don't have to be formal. So as much as you can, you just prefer to be able to support others and to be supported. 
I think what was also important which came over is the changing nature of family support. So the women over all age groups seem to have um, very few plans in terms of their care into much older age. Um, Few seem to rely on or have formal plans with family for a lot of them families move I mean families don't live nearby anymore and there are a lot of them with family interstate or overseas Um, quite interestingly some of the women said I don't want my daughter looking after me I had to do that for my parents she's got her career I want her to do that so there was changing ideas around gender roles and gender expectations and kind of this sense of wanting better very few mentioned their their adult sons, sons. looking yeah. after them at I all. So <laughs> you know, one family may not be available to care. Two older women don't necessarily want to bring family in, although mm. some, of course, did. And can I ask if you had anyone in your group that was from a culturally diverse background? Because I know that family, there's an expectation often for older people from um, that have recently migrated that their kids will look after them. I yeah. know that can cause intergenerational tension a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, um, but did you was there any findings in there as well? Mm, yes, we did. Look, we had um, a number from the uh, Chinese background community mm-hmm. because one of our peer researchers was from there. And we also had another who was um, had German, you know, she came from Germany. Interestingly, there there were differences, but the differences were actually, certainly at the time they were interviewed, was that they were providing care to ch- grandchildren. Yes, and that's the and other expectation, the adult isn't it? children. Yeah, so there wasn't much talk about... Um, their children looking after them even though some of them had moved specifically to Australia because their adult children had and they hadn't been here for that long Um, but no nobody seemed to have um, ideals of care around from coming from their children looking after them some said vaguely oh well perhaps you know I expect my family will look after me but that was not more specific to those from the culturally diverse group than than those born in Australia. And how many people do you think had actually done some serious planning around it in terms of we often hear, oh, if you educate people to plan better, um, then things will be okay. If they only had done this when they were young and made that plan, written down a family plan with their with their children Mm. or done their powers of attorney earlier, all those things. So how much of of that came up in conversation, that kind of forward planning? Yeah, look, that was interesting because that's definitely the the kind of the government message, I would say, that that it's, you know, it's all focused on the individual and if you plan right, then you'll get the right outcomes. But people, we saw very little evidence of planning. There was was some assumptions about family care, but but nobody had sat down and had very clear plans. Some of the women were talking about it in terms of getting together and pooling resources and co-housing. So some of them were already interested in that, more the kind of the the pre-retirees. So they were talking with sisters or with friends Mm -hmm. about, well, perhaps we could sell up and pool our resources and build. So there was around that, but there seemed to be very little planning and also you know, women articulated that things were quite uncertain. I mean, people don't, it's very hard to kind of predict what your future care needs might be. And it's not an area where people traditionally want to think about that. And, you know. I think also it's an issue of energy. I know, just talking about my own experience with my mother, who was, you know, she'd have loved to have been involved in a a, a co-housing arrangement as she aged. But but really by the time she was thinking about that seriously, yeah. she was much 
older and really did not have the energy anymore to drive something like that. Yes. I would have needed would have needed a lot of assistance. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think there's a mismatch with the sort of these grand projects in a sense yeah. and the age group. Yes. It's something that really needs to have drivers, for, from my point of view, needs to have a lot of assistance in driving these projects. Yes, around the planning, you yeah, mean? Around planning yeah. And, yeah. and just getting them not – it is really too much, I think, to be asking older groups yes. of women, particularly with, you know – who've had very little experience in their lives, some of them, yes. with those sorts of grander, as you said earlier, grander sort of yes. ideas. Yes, and, and, you know, and I'm sure that is one of the, the pull factors for the co-housing is that, well, you're kind of, you know, because co-housing, seniors co-housing, there's very there's handbooks and there's guidance, mm. so there's a lot of kind of structure around it mm, of how yeah. people do look how to, out for How to do it. Yeah, so there is mm. that sense that perhaps, you know, when the time comes that you need to plan, you will be surrounded by a community of people or a circle of friends who will help you to do that if yeah. you don't have family. And, of course, a lot of older women experiencing disadvantage don't have family no. and they're single women particularly, I think, are at risk of homelessness. Mm. Yeah, um, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, those factors really impact. Mm. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up for the second time? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really, just that, you know, I suppose watch this space and I think the more that we start opening our minds up to alternative ways of living and, and ways of living or outcomes for older people around housing that don't just focus on bricks and mortar but focus on quality of life and the role of relationships yeah. and re relationships which are kind of flow in and out of the home and how mm -hmm. important they are, particularly to women but I'm sure also to men. Well, the and sooner that women are in decision-making powers, the sooner it will happen, I think. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, well, thanks again. That's very interesting and insightful research and I think it's going to be um, fascinating to see how it goes. I'm really hoping that someone gets excited, someone listening perhaps um, with a big bunch of money that wants to throw at it. It would be fantastic. Thank you and, look, well, if, if there are any further updates, People can sub subscribe to the per capita newsletter on oh, okay. our website. So I do give regular updates about the the kind of the ageing housing work that we'll be doing through and that. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on it too and we'll update through our usual means. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for more. Thanks. Fiona. Thank you very Thanks, much. Leone. See you. Bye. Okay, welcome back. That was the last of our interview with Miffin Jordan. Um, and I am again joined by Leonie. How are you going? I'm good. That's good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're thinking that um, we may just wrap it up now um, because that was quite a long and intense interview. Um, but... We are going to be joined um, in the studio again um, next fortnight, either by the interesting Royal Commission or by something else. Um, and um, before we go today, we just wanted to let you know that we do have a podcast available that you can download from 3cr.org.au. And I know that, Leonie, you've popped that in your latest newsletter, haven't you? Yes, the latest uh, NASH newsletter, which is the National Alliance of Seniors for Housing, um, which you can find on the HAG website. It's in different spots on the HAG website. It's under news and under publications. Yeah. And we have a we have an article on co-housing in that newsletter. And we also have a good plug for our amazing 
um, 3CR show. Yes. Which is great. <laughs> yes, there's lots of plugs in the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> lots of plugs. Okay, so we're going to leave you now with a song um, that Leonie chose because she likes it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was because of Ginger Baker passing away yeah. and we were trying to find um, a Cream song, but this is we couldn't, but this is the same era. This is as close as we could yes. get. It's by The Faces and it's called You Wear It Well. So um, see you next time. Bye. <laughs>